The contents of the lie report are meant for educational purposes only. They are not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on The Lab Report, brush off your physical exam skills. Yeah, signs and symptoms literally right in front of your face. And what can it tell you about nutrition? The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. I think everything we talk about is just witty banter. I mean, minus the witty part. It's certainly banter. Nonsensical, anyway. Nonsense, for sure. Yeah. Hello! Hey, hey, Michael Chapman. Hi, Patty Devers. How are you today? Wow. <laughs> it's Devers. Is it? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It's all good. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I'm glad you're here, regardless. Oh, I think Devers, I'm glad Devers. you're here. Um, and we're glad that everyone's here joining us on this podcast called The Lab Report. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics, and it's a place where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like. And it's so much fun and such a blast and so educational that you should probably go to iTunes or Spotify and maybe subscribe to the show so you'll get alerts and you'll be able to listen to every episode. Maybe leave us some reviews or rate some stars. Yeah, and if the character limit on those reviews is restricting you, you can always <laughs> send an email to podcast at gdx.net. No character limit on that. Hmm. Feel free to uh, expound. Love that word. Good one. I'm proud of you. Hey, thanks. I uh, try to pull some tricks out of my vocabulary from time to time. Mm, you just did. Well, in reference to our banter, before we started recording, uh-huh. we had a wildly crazy conversation that started with, how do you know what color looks good on you? When does that happen? At what age? This is something that cavemen considered when they were getting dressed in the morning. And then we went into the cavemen and what they made it worn. And then you asked me about crop circles sure, and where they came from. An important conversation that I think every married couple needs to have, or at least a couple needs to have before they get married. Right. Because so, it could be a game changer. So then we had the discussion, is this pranksters? Is it from aliens? And you have a different take on this. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I feel comfortable <laughs> I explaining think the, this on the air, but I think, I think there's some form of transdimensional being that's, that's coordinating these things. Or it's just pranksters. I don't, I don't know, honestly, Patty. <laughs> I'm just making things up here. Well, I think the wider point here is that these are the conversations we literally have all the time. I think most people do that, don't they? I mean, friendships and relationships. You get Talk into, about weird stuff? Yeah, you just get into all sorts of different topics. That's, hmm. that's what conversation is about, isn't it? Oh, okay. Or is it mostly like sports and the weather? It's and usually sports and the weather. Also considered by some to be very fascinating topics. <laughs> considered by some. Well, some might consider today's podca- podcast topic also pretty interesting. Yeah, I hope <laughs> most of the people listening find it interesting. <laughs> We're going to talk about some of the physical manifestations of nutritional insufficiencies. And I've heard you say what? in the past, the physical exam is dead. Yeah. I mean, how often are we really doing this thing anymore? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I can't speak for, for what kind of training you went through. I know in naturopathic school, we spent a lot of time doing physical exam work and learning it and practicing it and, and doing it in clinic. And it's very important to us still. Um, I just hear rumors that from a little bit more of the conventional side, there's no time. 
There's no time to do the PE. Not only is there no time, it's like they'd rather just get the test or get the x-ray or, or, or do the, the simpler, easier way out rather than do that investigative work, though it is cheaper to do a physical exam. Well, and it kind of gets into that whole concept of algorithmic medicine, you mm-hmm. know, where we know that you can just figure out the algorithm, send the patient off for XYZ test, and that's going to lead you down this decision tree. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, like you said, it's it's cheaper on the patient. It's cheaper on the medical system as a whole to actually do some of this uh clinical investigation and come to conclusions, make clinical decisions on your own. Although that's, you know, not really what's recommended and taught anymore when everything's by an algorithm. So let's resurrect. Let's bring the art and the practice back into practice. I like that. You know what I'm saying? I do. All right. So there's a lot of different areas we can cover with a physical exam. And we tend to think of it in in like a systems orientation. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to do my cardio exam and I'm going to do my neuro exam and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But How can we restructure this to look at a nutritional physical exam? Well, consider that nutrition covers all systems, right? So it's kind of one of those overarching concepts as it relates to the physical exam. But there are a lot of very specific findings on the physical exam that you'd see with specific nutritional insufficiencies. And I think even when a patient walks into your office, just by looking at their body weight, their body mass index, how their body is composed. Those, those are important keys to nutrition as well. Like what? Like what, what sort of nutritional information are you going to get by looking at BMI and yeah, body you know, yeah. composition? I think what I mean is if someone's really underweight, you think they're not eating enough calories. If they're overweight, are they eating too many calories? You look at someone's muscle mass. Are they sarcopenic? Perhaps they're not getting enough protein. So there's already some snap judgments that you go to to try to investigate that further. So you're kind of using some some global measures, yep. some global observations to get a sense of maybe the possibility around global calorie in, calorie out, exercise, these sort of things. Just overall lifestyle and dietary habits. Right. Okay. Well, and I, I say potentially because there's certainly other factors that can go into there. Right. Cortisol, thyroid, mm-hmm. all these hormones that affect those things. So, But it, it gives you information that you might want to look into. That's right. And in addition to those global clues, there are more subtle findings as it specifically relates to nutritional insufficiencies. Yeah. And interestingly, a lot of the places we might check for nutritional deficiencies like your hair, your skin, your mouth, these are areas that we're already checking if we're doing kind of a thorough physical exam. So it's just this is additional information to to help you identify potential nutritional deficiencies. All right, well, let's jump into some of these then. Let's start with hair and scalp, right? So if someone comes in, you're looking to see, do they have hair? Is it thinning? Is it falling out? Is it dry? Do they have dandruff? Let's talk about some of these things and how they might lead to nutritional insufficiencies. Okay. Um, Well, you know, I think a hallmark thing is dry hair or dandruff Mm -hmm. um, because these things are pretty closely tied. And and we think about when we see dry hair and or dandruff, um, some sort of essential fatty acid disturbance. Okay, well, then why? It's a good question. We're still trying to figure that out, actually. Uh, As we know, there's microbiomes on a lot of surfaces Mm -hmm. and uh, on your scalp that that's. The true as well. And it's thought that the secretion of oils in your scalp changes the overall microbiome and thereby impacts uh, how your body's responding to the microbiome. And so, for instance, they'll show that there's a certain yeast like malasalsia 
that tends to be associated with dandruff. And it's thought that the malasalgia, uh, there's a certain type of sebum that your scalp secretes that, that, that favors the growth of that yeast. And so that's, that's what the connection between fatty acids and the oils that your scalp is secreting and the potential to have dandruff because of this yeast is one of the reasons why we use antifungal shampoos and things like that for dandruff. So to connect that back to fatty acids, a lot of times you'll give something like a fish oil to try to change the composition of the oils that your scalp is secreting. Okay, so another aspect here is hair thinning or hair loss or just dull and lackluster hair. And although that can be due to other hormonal issues, as we've discussed, things like thyroid disease, another point to always keep in the back of your mind is protein intake because last, lack of protein or not enough protein can cause your hair to fall out, to thin, and to just look dull. Right, because at the end of the day, hair is made up of protein. That's right. And so uh, you need you need adequate <laughs> you need protein, protein to make hair to be able to make hair. And so there can be a connection there. And as you mentioned, yeah, there's a lot of other things that can contribute to hair loss, other nutrient deficiencies as well. Right, and there are some micronutrients that are important as it relates to hair as well. Yeah, specifically, I think about things like biotin. Mm -hmm. It's very common to be used as a supplement to try to improve overall hair quality. But I also think about uh, trace minerals like copper and iron and things like that that uh, play a, a role in, in hair production as, as well. But to be fair, you also have to keep in mind that this could all be also be something related to thyroid dysfunction or a hormonal imbalance. So keep that on your differential as well. All right, we talked about hair. Mm -hmm. What's next? What else do we want to cover in our physical exam here? Well, let's talk about the mouth because there's a lot of different areas to discuss as it relates to the physical exam of the mouth, right? Uh -huh. There's the tongue. There's your dentition. There's taste buds and the distribution of them. So let's dive into a few of those. It's, it's fascinating. If you go to your family doctor, mm -hmm. he may or may not look in your mouth, but when he looks in your mouth, he's really just checking for a couple things. He's checking for, are there signs signs of leukoplakia, precancerous lesions, how big are your tonsils? Yeah, the old tongue depressor. But Say th ah. there are so many more subtleties to the tongue and the mouth that are really important. Do you check to see if that uvula is deviated? Sometimes. Is that part of it? Mm, sometimes. Soft palate problems? Kind of. But just globally, when you open someone's mouth and look in their tongue... You can also look for sarcopenia because the tongue is a huge muscle. And if there's loss of muscle mass peripherally, you could also have sarcopenia of the tongue. So keep that in mind as it relates to protein intake. Yeah, and when you go to your acupuncturist, right, they they really stare at the they tongue. They do. They get a lot of information from the tongue. Well, we're going to have to ask Donna Smith about everything yes. that you're learning. But yes. uh, one common thing is what's called scalloping mm -hmm. of the tongue where it's sort of the the sides of the tongue look kind of like there's it's wavy like they got these kind of ridges where the teeth like teeth marks were essentially mm -hmm. and uh, I know that to be a sign of what's called chi deficiency hmm. or an invasion of dampness into the system we need Donna Smith I know right so we'll we'll table that maybe for when she comes in she can talk about dampness but apparently it's really bad all right so you don't want chi deficiency because <laughs> she's like you know it's chi <laughs> But I also think about other things. I think about the color of the tongue. Mm -hmm. You know, what's very common is for people to come in, they kind of have a white, whitish tongue. And here I would make the distinction between a white coating on the tongue, which makes me think of like oral thrush and candidiasis, or just kind of a white coloration to the tongue, which personally I tend to think of as like uh, a need for detoxification. 
And also just that your system's kind of been taxed in a similar sort of way of like cheat efficiency, I guess. Hmm. Well, speaking of coloring, I also think about something called glossitis. Mm -hmm. And itis just means inflammation thereof. So it's really just inflamed tongue. And it can turn red, right? And a red glossitis tongue can be big and swollen or it could be atrophic. But either way, we think about iron and we think about a lot of these B vitamins, things like B6 and folate and B12, which which are found to be insufficient in these patients with glossitis. Yeah. You know, another colloquial thing that I think of is the underside of the tongue. You've got those two prominent veins mm-hmm. there, yeah, and sort of the the size, the how prominent they are, and how elongated they are, uh, relates to cardiovascular disease risk. Is that true? Did you just make that up? You can't make things up. It's not how it works. No, Oliver, I'm not making that up. It's actually sublingual varices, and it's been studied a little bit and associated with hypertension. And in another study, they talk about cardiovascular disease risk. Hmm, that's really interesting. Another thing, let me just bring this up, is tongue fissuring. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's like a ridge down right the middle down of the center tongue, of the tongue, that's yeah. often associated with autoimmune disease and things going on in your gut. All right, I got another one. Go ahead. Keliosis. Oh yeah, the cracking of your corners of your cracking, mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So we tend to think about things like needs for B vitamins mm-hmm. along with zinc. I think of zinc especially in something like that. That one's actually fairly common. And I think in general, like dry chap lips, we think about B vitamins as well. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Go ahead. Let's, uh, what do you want to talk about? Let's talk about the gums. Ew. Why are you saying ew? I, I don't know. I just, something about the gums and the way the gums meet the teeth. It's Weird. It's gross. I mean, there's a lot of gross things about the human body. Let's be frank. And, right. and for some reason, this one. You're choosing is, is like this one. One of my trigger ones, I guess. Really? Yeah. What do you think determines how far up the gum goes on the tooth? Do you think it's the trans-dimensional beings? From the crop circles making that How far the gum goes up on the tooth? Yeah. I don't think it's the gum going up on the tooth. I think it's the tooth coming through the gum. Hmm. Well, what do you think determines this? Is it related to those trans-dimensional beings? No, obviously not. I mean, I I think of these trans-dimensional beings as being perfect, and therefore they don't have any sort of interface between gums and teeth because that's just gross. Hmm. Yet they can make crop circles. Also beautiful. The opposite of the gum-tooth interaction. It's fair. Do you have a trigger thing? Do you have like a human body is gross trigger thing? Sputum. Quick to the trigger there, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Years in the hospital. Traumatized. They didn't do any favors by giving it the name sputum. That's right. What are you on about? Yeah, Michael, let's get back to the gums. Back to the gums. The physical exam. Okay, there's one thing that comes to mind when I think about problems that you can detect visually with the gums, and that's Burton's line. Huh, that's familiar to me. Yeah, so we talked a little bit about it on yes. our episode about toxics that's and right. toxic metals and lead in particular. But uh, it's sort of like a line or a discoloration along the gum line that uh, is indicative of exposure to large amounts of heavy metals, particularly lead. Think about them as like lead lines. Right. And just the final piece of the physical exam of the mouth as it relates to nutrition is the teeth. Right? Are they missing teeth? Do they have teeth decay? We often think about things like calcium and vitamin D and phosphorus and fluoride. So also things to consider. All right, let's move on to the skin. There's a lot to cover. Oh, I see what you did there. And when we talk about the skin. Well, as it relates to nutrition, it comes up with a lot of rashes, like erythematous plaques and rashes. Erythematous, big word. You know, probably a lot of people don't know what that word means. We should probably define it. Let's define some terms. Oh, yeah. You know what time it is. 
it's time to define some This is exciting. Yeah, it's pretty dramatic, choice. Michael. This is exciting. I love defining terms. <laughs> I can't to. wait <laughs> to talk about what erythematous means. This is going to be sweet. Wow. Patty, I can't wait. Tell the people what erythematous means. Red. Yeah. It does mean red, doesn't it? That's all. Okay. Well, moving on. Uh, let's talk about some things that can cause a red rash. Erythematous. Thank you. Uh, so I think about there's a couple different types of rashes, right? There's seborrheic rashes and there's eczema, both of which can present with redness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some nutrients that I think about with either one of those. With seborrheic rashes, I think about, again, I think about essential fatty acids. I think about needs for zinc and, and vitamin A, maybe biotin. Uh, with eczema, you know, we're certainly talking about food allergies, food intolerances, sensitivities, things like that. But I also think about zinc pretty mm. significantly with, uh, with eczema. Okay, so to tackle on top of the red theme, we also think about things like petechiae, which are just small pinpoint little red dots that you have all over your body. That's kind of an onomatopoeia, isn't it? What, petechiae? Yeah. When you say it, it's oh, like... Oh, that's true. It's like petechiae. petechiae. And so we think about petechiae and bruising, which is also kind of red. We think about vitamin C. For example, so vitamin C insufficiency can do this, or vitamin K, and sometimes just bioflavonoids from our food and insufficiency of those can also cause petechiae and bruising. Here's another one that's one of my favorites. Oh, follicular hyperkeratosis pilari. What in the world? That's the bumps. Oh, I like this one. That's this like one the chicken skin. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really, really common, and it's almost we think of it almost like pathognomonic for needs for essential fatty acids. Um, and it's again, it's so common, so easy to spot, and uh, it's usually on, on like the back of your arm. Can be, yeah, but can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about acne because oh, oftentimes man. we think about acne as being a gut issue, but it can also be nutritional. I think about acne as being a reflection of so many different things. I mean, like you mentioned, it's a reflection. Your it's your skin. And your skin is one of your biggest detoxification organs. And I think one way that you detoxify or, or sort of a need for detoxification is the presentation of acne. But as you mentioned, there's so many other things. There's so many different types of acne that we could really do oh, an entire okay. podcast on acne. I think about sugar. I think about dairy. I think about tons of nutritional cofactors like, again, fatty acids, zinc, selenium. It really kind of depends on what type of acne we're talking about. But uh, I think sugar is a big one, a big one. All right. Well, moving from skin, let's talk about fingernails because oh, yeah, this is some good a info here. big one. This is a big one. And, you know, I think the one most of us think about are little white specks mm-hmm. on your fingernail or white ridges across your fingernails, which is actually called leuconychia uh-huh. punctata, which in essence is white punctated spots on your fingernail. Okay. And then leuconychia striate is lines white lines and okay. Okay. this is usually some sort of deficiency in zinc or selenium but please keep note that the white lines can also be a toxicity of arsenic and, sel- and selenium but i think about zinc in general yeah yeah another thing that's common with nails is coilonychia and hmm. uh that's uh referring to like a spoon shape to the nail Right. And so it sort of has that like that indentation in it. Uh, We think about things like protein and other micronutrients, iron, chromium, copper, zinc, these things we've been talking about. It seems like these trace minerals 
we'll go back to our mineral episode, how mm-hmm. important minerals are, but uh, they can relate a lot to the overall aesthetics of the nail. And these are fairly common. Or the nikia. Okay, two other really common ones are if you have really pale nail beds, that can speak to iron deficiency. Yeah, like similar to like, yeah, yeah. like capillary refill. That's right, mm-hmm. that's right. And the other one I always think about is splinter hemorrhages, little little hemorrhages underneath the fingernail, little small ones. Think of vitamin C on oh, that. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What else? Got anything else for the nails? Well, just one final disclaimer that although nutritional insufficiencies can cause all of these problems. When yeah. I think of brittle nails or peeling nails, I also think of hormonal issues like thyroid disease, for example. Yeah, so many different things that thyroid can manifest as. Think about dry skin, hair falling out, mm-hmm. right? Hertog sign, mm-hmm. with that sort of thinning of the latter third part of the eyebrow, another little visual inspection that you can do that can relate. But uh, yeah, you're right. You always got to think about thyroid. Well, congratulations, Michael. Mwah. You have brought back the physical exam. All right. Single-handedly. That's exciting. But there's one more thing we need to bring back. Yeah, I can see Travis waving from the other room. Yep. Yeah. Bring it back. Well, you mean like bring back the original jingle? No. Question of the day. It's the question of the day. It's the question of the day. It's the question of the day. That should never be brought back. That hurts. I spent a lot of time on that. Mm. Like a whole lunch break. (laughs) Well, can I ask you the question of the day? Sure. All right. So let's hypothetically say I have some of these physical exam findings. Let's say there's white little specks on my fingernails. Hypothetically. (laughs) Fair. And I say, huh, I wonder if this is a zinc deficiency. So I start taking zinc. My question is, how long does it take to reverse some of these things if you're supplementing with nutrients? Well, there's a lot of variables there, right? That everyone's going to be a little bit different. Okay. And it's going to be a little bit dependent on how well you're digesting, absorbing your nutrients and minerals, how much you're taking, all those sort of factors. So there's definitely, there's no hard and fast explanation and answer to it. But I will say something to keep in mind is that there's essentially cells vary in how quickly they turn over. And so you can use that as a little bit of an approximation and model to say like, okay, this might take a little bit longer than something else. So for like example, what? like the tongue, it, it, the cells of the tongue turnover in something like days to weeks. Oh. And so like if you're trying to recover from like a mouth ulcer or something like that, you know, that might be a little bit quicker than say the skin, which turns over every four to seven weeks. And so you can use that as a little bit of a litmus. So, you know, things that revolve around the GI tract and the mucosa, the tongue, th- that's rapid turnover. So that, you know, that can change pretty quickly. But like when we're talking about the nails and the hair, yeah. that's a much longer time frame where you're going to start to see improvement there. Okay, so what you're telling me is it depends. That's right. Next time on The Lab Report, environmental hermesis. Wow. I think what you're trying to say is we're going to talk sauna. Yeah, you know, like hot and cold, what those things do. You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. I mean, it's just absurd how many of these terms we have that mean something very simple. (laughs) 
you know, <laughs> yeah. like, why do we do that? Why do we feel that we have to speak a different language so people will pay us so they, so they can't understand what we're saying? It sounds fancy. And I think, remember when you were in medical school, it's really just learning the language first. Right? Like syncope, right? right? What does that mean? Passing out, fainting. Fainting, right. Why don't we just say fainting? Emesis. Puking. Rhinorrhea. Runny nose. I mean, give me a break. I'm going to syncope here. 